five. This is going to be, I'll make up tonight for this morning. That's not saying we're going to get out early, but I won't preach as long. Now we had, are these visitors at the back? Are y'all visiting with us? I don't, I didn't recognize. I'd love to find out who we got back here. So who we got visiting with us tonight? Okay, somebody translate. I didn't hear. Thank you. Patrick Hughes. Okay, Patrick, thank you. And what? Somebody? Mrs. Thomas. Okay, Mrs. Thomas said, and, and who we got in the middle there? All right. Well, thank you all for coming. I'm sure glad you made it out here. I know you came because you heard about the great preacher that was here. <laughs> no, so glad. I'd love to, love to get to see you before you all get away tonight, but thank you for coming, coming in. We've got a little bit different uh, kind of service tonight, as uh, I don't know how many of you remember, but I, I said to, tonight we were going to do um, uh, testimonies from, uh, from the conference that we had Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Now, you, honestly, you can do testimonies during a conference or at the right the end of a conference, and, uh, and, and whatever is really kind of emotionally going on in your heart and mind, that uh, will happen. But truthfully, what we, I'm hoping has happened is that there's been some things that helped you and you've realized it over the last few days. Uh, I know for me there have been, but I get to talk all the time. But I know there's some things that, that, uh, that God has done for me already. And so in order to just kind of lay the foundation for a few minutes of testimony tonight. In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to read actually a kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture uh, because sometimes we assume everybody has read, you know, or knows the story. But, but and a lot, of, a lot of you do know the story, but uh, often called the, the story of the maniac of Gadara. Uh, but it's in, in chapter 5, verse 1 of, of the book of Mark. It says, They came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, let me just tell you, if I just got off the boat and that's who I met, then you had just seen the second time that somebody walked on water, okay? Because uh, I probably would have been booking uh, about then if that dude came up to me. But, but it says... Um, and so when he came out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man, uh, any man tame him. Well, folks, if, if you don't understand it. The demonic spirits, they have great spiritual power, but they can also come with great physical power. You know, somehow those, the buildings got knocked on, uh, down on Job's family. Uh, somehow these things took place. Uh, when, I, when I was, uh, you know, 35, 30, whatever it is now, years ago, in 1978 or 1979, 80, something like that, uh, we, we arrested a, a guy that was about 135 pounds, a little bitty guy, and, uh, and, and that fella spent about 45 minutes throwing about uh, uh, four or five police officers around the building. 
And that, look, it wasn't because he knew judo or karate or anything else. He had supernatural strength. Uh, he, was, he was just at that point. But, but it says, because he had been often, and we went through the verse 5, it says, and always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And, and that shows us what takes place when people are under a severe demonic influence. Uh, they injure themselves. They, they start to destroy themselves. And that's why it's so very important it's, uh, to deal with people who are spiritually, even today. They, you know, this is where it all started, cutting themselves. And it's almost, it was at one time an epidemic in our country, of especially young girls cutting themselves. And, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And I'm not going to go through all of that, but, but an amazing story here. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away uh, out of the country. Now the demon besought Jesus. And now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 of these, these, uh, this, these swine, and, and were choked in the sea, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what uh, was done. And so what we have, we have this man that, that uh, now has these demons cast out of him. His name is Legion uh, because he has so many demons inside of him. And, the, and, and these demons are cast out. Verse 16 says, they saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So people saw this take place uh, in this man. And, uh, and so they, you know, all this is taking place in his life, but, I, but I'm going to cut down to verse 19. After he's been delivered from these demons, there are a few people here that see him in his right mind. Here's what the Lord tells him. Verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, and, and, uh, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath, com and hath, hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. You know, after all this has taken place, it's amazing. You don't see this really often in the Scripture, but Jesus said, you know, when you have great things done for you, you need to go tell everybody about it. You need to go tell people what's happening. Can I tell you how you can solidify anything that's taking place in your life? Get up and praise God about it. Get up and tell everybody else about it. Just let them know. And look, you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid to testify that God might have made a difference in our life or he may be helping us with a weakness. You know why it is? Because we're afraid that, you know, tomorrow we may stumble in that weakness again. And then, you know, we, I just got up and said this. And I, Hey, look, if you made it to the day, I'm thrilled that you, you're getting some strength in that area. And that we're not going to master it until we start trying to get through it. And that, that, that means just getting back up, of course. But listen to me, 
We need to, one of the things that we need to do is testify. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the two simplest definitions of testimony are proof or evidence that something exists or is true. You know, when we give a testimony, what we're saying is God really did do something in my life. God really did do something in my heart. And you know what the proof is? Me standing here telling you. That's the proof. It says a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law about a testimony. But you know what? This is better than a court of law. This is a place where we can get up and testify what God has done in our life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So often we look at this and we think this is an answer to um, uh, somebody, kind of a debate. You know, this is a, you know, no, this is to get up and say, hey, let me tell you why I've got hope. Let me tell you why I believe that, that, that we're going to get through this because there's a God that's doing something in my life. Now, there's different ways to defend our faith, but your testimony, I believe, is one of the most powerful ways. Uh, almost always, when I go out and I, I go out visiting or, or telling somebody about the Lord, somewhere in that conversation, I'm going to give some part, all of my testimony. I'm going to tell them about where I came from. I'm going to tell them about where I was headed. I'm going to tell them what happened to me and what God did in my life and, and, and where I would be if it hadn't been for him. I'm going to tell them that. And can I tell you, it, it helps them understand that I'm like them, but it also helps me. I'll be honest with you, every time I give my testimony, it brings greater hope in my heart. And so, but also, <clears throat> now... Jesus made it clear that we should testify. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, we, again, we like it. We almost always use this about, you know, kind of a soul winning, you know, spread the gospel. But it's so much more than this. It's, it's look, you, if, something, if God done something in your, ha- in your heart, don't hide it. Amen. Let the rest, because anything, you, you stand up and testify that, somebody, that God's done something for you. Let me tell you, somebody who's been struggling to believe that it can happen for them may just say, okay, that's giving me hope. I believe it can. So testify. And tonight, I want us to give testimony. First Chronicles 16, 8 says, is Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing songs unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glorify ye in, in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. So, tonight, we're going to take testimonies. And tonight, uh, I believe that, that it's very, I just believe. Now, I don't know. We may have two people give a testimony. We may have somebody out there that whispers to somebody, hey, shut up and we'll get out earlier. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to take a few testimonies. Now, I will do this. 
you know, I want you to give a testimony. But, but I also want everybody else to be able to give a testimony that wants to be it. So I will remain holding the microphone. You know, because I can always do, oh, that's good. You understand? So if it happens to you, know what happened. All right. Okay, who wants to give a testimony about we had a wonderful conference. I believe God helped. I know, again, God, I've seen it four or five times. But just like any sermon, it's never exactly the same. He's always bringing something out, something new, God. And because there's a different group of people, if you really pray, God brings different things out. But there were some things that really helped me this week. And, and honestly, there was a couple of doors that I had, to, I had to, to go shut that I'd never addressed before. And so uh, I'm just going to ask you, anybody want to give a test? Who wants to be? first okay i'm definitely holding on to this microphone all right linda would you like to stand up no okay is this thing working we're still okay here all right well this week, you gotta hold uh, yeah. you gotta get it close to your face go ahead i'll let you hold it okay oh. on tuesday it was very uh telling to me I, there was a bunch of doors that i had that i didn't realize were open and there was just pop-ups in my mind coming up, well, you'd have dealt with this and that and the other thing. So on Tuesday night, it was just very refreshing to just come in and let those things go. And you just felt so unburdened yeah. after that. So uh, that's what I want to say. That's what, that encourages me. And I, and I hope that somebody understands me. Unburdened, set free. Because it, well, I, I got so much to say. I'll shut up. Go ahead. Anybody else? Anybody who stayed home sick? <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know why I'm holding this up there. I got this thing up here. Okay. Thank you. All right. I had one of these on preaching at a youth conference, and I, and, and I used a, an unplugged microphone as an illustration. And, and on the video, I watched myself for the next 20 minutes hold this other microphone, not even plugged in. And I got this working. So, all right, who else has, all right, who else has got something? Oh, yes, sir. Here we go. I'm getting my exercise nice. I was waiting for you to get to that side before I called <laughs> There we go. You go ahead. I'm just joking. The summary of things as I saw them Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is Monday he listed the doors of wrong opportunities. Tuesday he listed the way of closing those doors. And Wednesday he listed the ways of making sure those doors are closed. And that's what I liked about his presentation first is that it was thorough. Right. And he covered a lot of territory, a lot of overlapping sins, and a lot of... Uh, um, um, tailgating or, or, or tail riding sins that all go in there. Um, on his CDs, he has the same thing, but he presents it differently. So watching this on his CDs as well as seeing it here, it was like seeing two different sermons for each of these messages. Now, the second thing I wanted to say is that um, uh, Alice was not able to make it here Monday night, but she saw it Tuesday and Wednesday. And we had the opportunity to sit down together and it wasn't just me reviewing things, it was Alice and I reviewing things. And it gave me a chance to answer a lot of really embarrassing questions. <laughs> but, it was a, but it was a good opportunity for the two of us to look at some of the doors that we may have brought open during the course of our years. You know, um, 
what he just said, and, and Mike would attest to this, it's more important than you think uh, to be, be to co confess our faults one to another. And when you're able to do that with the one you're closest to and you love the most, and when you're able to accept that and do that, it, it really does enable you to, to close some doors in ways that you can't even imagine. It really does. It slams the door shut. All right. Thank you, Brother West. Anybody else? Well, you wanted two. You got two. I, yeah, I said maybe we'll get two. No, I know. Yes, sir. Oh. Uh, you want me to hang on to it? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I just uh, think it was about seven, eight years ago that um, a preacher in Michigan <clears throat> introduced me to spiritual warfare counseling, which was closing the doors. And to be frank with you, I had, you know, too many doors open in my life, in my heart. Um, and because of that, it did make me very close to my wife. I, didn't, I was not a communicator at all, but what God revealed to me over time was the fact that I didn't communicate because I didn't want anybody to know what was in there. Uh, and as I communicated and, and told my wife different things, I confessed many faults to Pastor Jerva in Michigan, and God began to bring out of me somebody that was hidden inside. And it made our marriage so much better because now we were communicating. And, and also with other people. But this, it was awesome because that happened seven years ago, but you know, you, you never get to the place where you don't have to stop closing doors. I think it was Monday night, he said, heads bowed, eyes closed, anybody need to close doors? And I prayed and God said, no, I'm just like, good. Tuesday night, he asked and I was like, <laughs> you know, I realized that there was somebody and that I had something against from that day that I had not given it to God and, and asked and forgiven them for how I felt offended. And I'm just thankful for a man, Brother Smith, who I know to a lot of Americans, all this spiritual stuff can be kind of retarded. But when you live where it's very upfront and bold, you know it's not a bunch of baloney. It is reality. And I'm thankful for a preacher that's willing to have people not understand to give us the truth. Because truly, I will say, and my wife will agree, that we have been made free by these truths. And I'm thankful that we got to be a part of this week again. Amen. All right. Anybody else? All right, Brother Ron. You're too late. I prepared my sermon. Uh, ah. I hope I get to keep the mic. I think somewhere it says written down. It is. Well, I realize I don't have to hold on to the mic because I can talk over you right here. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I had rotator cuff surgery the first two nights, so we watched it on YouTube. It doesn't do you any good if you don't hold it there. Ah, there we go. Okay. So uh, my arm's healing up. Thanks for your prayers. We watched... Uh, um, we were very much encouraged by what we heard. I asked uh, the pastor, actually, if I could share briefly what, um, uh, what the God has done for us in our lives and affirm the truth of God's word from, um, from uh, Brother Smith's message. I suffered my entire adult life from two great burdens. The first was a nagging sense of failure growing out of a very late uh, start in life. I graduated from college when I was 31. Um, I grew up in the late 60s and early 70s in the midst of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll hippie generation. Um, I suffered from an eating disorder for five years, which was born out of a father's obsession with nutrition. Um, 
It wasn't until crushing losses in the stock market, just after Lois and I got married, that I faced a sense of failure so great I had one of two options. Either God's word on the matter or worldly failure, give up entirely to counseling, medication, and a crippling resignation to life. While serving at Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska in the summer of 2002, uh, in, in debt from those losses, the cross of Christ and his finished work on Calvary became clearly answer to those overriding feelings of failure. Through study and meditation of God's word, I realized for the first time in my life that there's no room for a sense of failure in the life of a Christian. The cross of Christ became clear. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. The second burden was greed, which spanned generations, at least apparently from the mid-1850s when my grandfather's parents left Thompson Station, Tennessee area um, in, the, in, in the 1850s for the gold rush. They were a little late. They never struck it rich, and they settled in Northern California, Red Bluff area. In homestead after homestead, my grandfather continued to move and was never satisfied with what he had, and he had some wonderful homesteads from my father's stories. It was in the spring of 2008, through more losses in the stock market, I came face to face with greed in my heart, a curse spanning generations. And on a Saturday morning, overlooking the streets of Asuncion, Paraguay, God revealed the depth of my sin and the greatness of his love. And though um, <clears throat> the, toil, uh, the toll of decades of wrong thinking, we heard about that, were etched deeply in my mind, and heart, year by year, my wife, children, and I have seen a gradual release from the felt need to save and invest, save and invest, when more is never enough. Right. Yeah. My wife, Lois, has had a similar story of freedom while in Stuttgart, Germany, attending a King James-only Baptist church. Oh, no, she said. What is that? Another American denomination? <laughs> After attending that church for six months, week after week, hearing the gospel of salvation based on the finished work of Christ, Lois was set free from a lifetime of a sense of judgment and condemnation. Soon thereafter, God began to do in her life what he'd done for me as she experienced freedom from anger which had plagued our marriage from the beginning. Lois also began to experience in that same church what we here at Calvary also have available in the person of Miss Jo Beth. It's very rare now to find a church with an older woman who's both able and willing to teach the younger women in accordance with Paul's letter to Timothy. I suppose it's just as rare that there are women who want to listen to it. <laughs> we haven't arrived, but these are what I call the big rocks, which God has moved out of our lives. Still, we seek the Lord daily in his word, washed by the washing of the word and renewal by the Holy Spirit, as we might uh, be daily set free more and more uh, in our lives uh, to live for him. I'm grateful to be able to share our experience, Lois and I, what God's done for us. We've been to the cross, we've been to the well, and drank deeply from the living waters. I invite you also to come and drink, as many of you have already responded. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you go ahead. You know, um, that was a wonderful testimony, except that one part where you said about Jo Beth, she was an older woman. <laughs> That's recorded, and uh, <laughs> and she will hear it. 
And after she does, you will hear it. <laughs> Amen. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, it's Molly. Um, it won't be as eloquent as what he said, but just, um, you know, we all know the big stuff. Well, it's a little more in your face that those are sometimes the devil's attacks, but it's the day-to-day, -day, the little naggy, you know, things that you don't always realize that those are the devil attacking too, you know, the uh, give place to the devil and just bombarded. I was really trying not to do this, bombarded um, the week before and even after just those little things over and over and over. And a lot of times, I, um, maybe as a woman, I don't know, but just overlooking that that's Satan attacking, you know, me to be crabby at my husband or my kids or whatever and set a bad tone in my home and, you know, just a, makes a, just a ripple effect, I guess. But... <clears throat> just it reiterated several years ago, I heard a series of messages very similar to that about giving place to the devil and just to reiterate, to recognize those things that those are just as much as a satanic attack sometimes as the bigger things and you know, to get my spirit in the wrong place that can affect you know, my whole family and things like that, just to see that and to ask God to help with those things as well. Amen, amen. Yes, John. I'm getting there. Where'd he go? Joe, I'll be there in a second. So first off, I want to say that I think Miss Joe Beth's probably about 29 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Miss Joe Beth. <laughs> <laughs> um, something, something's God's been working, me, working on my heart with for a while now. We had the opportunity to go through some spiritual warfare counseling with Brother Mike. And then during that time, we also bought some of the DVDs before Brother Marvin came here of him doing the closing the doors. So. God's been working on me for a while, <laughs> which, you know, I, I need that. But through that time, God's also, he's, he's helped me understand a little bit more as well that I hope um, what he showed me would be a blessing to you guys as well. Um, you know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And just like what he's saying is we open those doors in our lives and we allow, man, we allow ourselves to be in bondage. We allow ourselves to be slaves. Uh, but something else that we really have to come to grasp with is the truth does set us free. Right. And it's not good enough just to try and resist the thinking, saying, I'm not gonna think that way. We've got to combat that with the actual truth. Amen. And something in, in Psalms 136 that's really um, been coming to light, at least in my mind, uh, very familiar with that, that chapter. And it, uh, it's been one that I've read, I've read over and over again. It's been a blessing to me, but it's like God's sh shown more light on it to me. And that's where David goes through and he says, you have searched me, you have known me. And then he goes through and he goes through a whole list of things about how God good, how good God is towards us. He talks about how you've known me, you've, you've formed me in my mother's womb. Before I was even born, you wrote my members in a book. He talks about where can I go to get away from God? He says, I can, I can go up to heaven, you're there. I can go descend down into hell, you're there also. And he, he goes on and he goes, how precious are your thoughts unto me, O God, and how great is the sum of them. And he spends the, the majority of the, ch of the chapter of the psalm just speaking about how good God is. But then towards the end, it's like he just changes the thought completely. And he says, uh, you know, I, how I hate your enemies, God. He said, the wicked, they, they take your name in vain. 
and they speak lies about you. And he says, I hate them with a perfect hatred. And for me, it was really hard to reconcile. David, you're talking about how good God is, and all of a sudden you're speaking about hate. Right. But then it, I believe God revealed it to me that he's saying, you know what, it's not that I hate even people. He hates the wicked one. He hates the one who lies. And, and what David's saying there is the reason what helps me is I reinforce how good God is in my mind so that when the lies come and Satan lies about who you are, God, I won't believe it because I've already meditated on how good you are. Right. Because that's what Satan does. He comes and he lies to us about who God is. You look, you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Eve is, and he says, no, God, God says you can't eat that because it'll make you wise. It'll make you as a God, and he doesn't want that for you. And that's all Satan does is he lies to us about who God really is. And all too often as we go through our day, we believe the lies about who God is, and we won't do the things God wants us to do out of fear, out of God's not going to help us through it, and then we don't trust God. Right. But then at the very end of it, David goes, again, he goes, search me, know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me. See if I believe any of the lies of Satan about you, but then lead me in the way of everlasting. So I think, really, it's great. We've got to close those doors, and we've got to be very careful not to allow the doors open again. And I think the chief way of doing that is, is we've got to constantly reinforce what God says about God in the Bible so that when the lies about God come, we won't believe those. Right. And then constantly go to him and say, God, reveal to me if there's something about you that, I'm not, that, that I believe that's wrong. Uh, and, I, and I believe that's something that just helps us as God's children. So that we, how do you believe a lie when you constantly reinforce, reinforce the truth in your heart? Amen. You know, what Josh is saying, the, uh, when I was working, uh, even as a college student, I, I, um, I dealt with uh, counterfeit money some. And uh, one of the things, first things they teach you with counterfeit money is that you don't learn to recognize counterfeit money. You learn to know what's real. And if you know what's real, immediately what is counterfeit will jump out at you. And I think it's so important that we understand if, you know, the, the scripture, Psalm 56 says, in God will I praise his word, in the Lord will I praise his word. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You, when we have the word of God in us and we keep pouring it in us, as you said, truth in us, when those lies come, we immediately recognize them as a lie. We may not understand even why we recognize it. We just do. We just know it's a lie. And that's very important to get the truth in there. Um, well, Joe was before you. you know, uh, you're, well, that's true. Go ahead. <laughs> My wife needed the last few nights of that conference for sure. <clears throat> I'm very grateful that we have a church that truly, the individuals are truly seeking to understand what God wants in their lives. Brother Mike has, has often counseled me to, to look at life through spiritual eyes, and it's just the truth. There are many things that were stated uh, in the two nights that we were there. One of them was talking about generational sins. You know, and all of us struggle with sin. Every single one of us in this room struggle with sin. Right. And often I've wondered, why do I fight this particular sin over and over and over again? Then I realized my dad fought that particular sin over and over and over again. 
And my grandfather, I know, fought that particular sin over and over and over again. And Brother Smith really clarified to me the, the necessity of addressing those generational sins. He also made another statement about, uh, I, I might get the quote wrong, but whenever you cede power in your life, power doesn't just disappear, something else takes over. If I make myself, con- uh, if I try to ensure that I have control where I don't partake of alcohol or whatever, you name the sin, if I cede control, alcohol now has power over me. And I thought that was a very important uh, point that he made. <clears throat> I would just say this. I've, I've thought this week as we were out of town, I need to remember the lessons that were taught in the two nights that we were here and ensure I think about things through spiritual eyes and the attacks that come and the people that, that may attack me. It's not those individuals. This is a spiritual war. Right. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Joe? I, uh, a lot of y'all talked about meeting with your wives and uh, talking about different you know, faults and problems. Well, I'm pretty lucky. I don't have to. She tells me all my faults and problems. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got a wonderful wife. Um, but that's right. But <clears throat> we were, I had went through um, like a while back after I first got here, I went through some stuff with Mike. He wanted me to talk with him. And I, honestly, I thought, I, I'm good. I don't really need this. I've, you know, I don't do, you know, any of these crazy things. I don't have no real addictions or problems. But after sitting down and going through with Mike, you know, I realized I had a lot of doors open. And I was able to close a lot of those doors. And um, here, uh, you know, when he came to preach, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to be pretty good. And that first night I was, I was good. Until he started talking about speeding and how that was rebellion. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, oh, you know, you're, you're doing good. Can you move on somewhere else now? <laughs> I don't like where you're going. So, uh, and then the Lord started speaking to me about, you know, about that. And, um, and I, I went and, and we got things taken care of again. And, and it reminded me, it let me know, know something he said about sometimes, you know, the Lord will bring things later on because you're not ready for it. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, some of y'all may not have been able to be here for the conference. Some of y'all may not have um, been able to get some of the material. Um, we're all good Baptists. We may not remember actually what he preached on Wednesday um, a month from now because that's what we seem to do sometimes. But if, if we have a, a, a time where we're thinking, you know what, I've got some more doors that have opened. I'm not sure what to do. You know, we've got Brother Mike right up there that is just a phenomenal counselor. Hey. Um, he's had to deal with these things. And, um, and it's just that what we have in this church is the, the, the with, with preacher and, and Brother Mike and uh, all the people that, that God has sent to us that have their own uh, specialties and things that they do. I mean, it's just, we're so rich. It's amazing, you know. It's, you know, I, I told preacher, you know, churches are a hospital, and, and this one is a specialty hospital. It's not just a local uh, hospital. It's a specialty one. And if you're, uh, you know, later on sometime, or if you weren't here, and, you, you know, God's working with you, and you don't know what you need to do, you know, we've got people like Brother Mike we can go to, and we can uh, talk to him, and he can uh, walk us through just like Brother Marvin could.
Yes. Um, yes. And uh, so don't let's not forget, you know, this battle is a, a daily battle. You know, we, we might have some victory now, but if we if we step back and, and stop, you know, then then the devil will start trying to gain more ground. Wow. That's great, Jeff. Thank you. You know, I hate to be biased, but I, I do think God has starting he's starting to assemble a place that uh that can help people. And I really believe that's what he's brought us here for is not to to demonstrate to the world what we can produce except that we can help people see lives change see lives help jeff did you raise your hand i was thinking twice about it okay yeah. <laughs> i wasn't sure if i'd start crying or start sounding like don knots maybe but <laughs> um anyway i was just gonna say that you were talking about um what god has done in your life and you know throughout your life there are certain events that come to mind and for me, one of the first big, big moments for me was, um, well, first I joined the uh, youth group that y'all had out at Trinity, and that got me on the right road. But I remember praying to God before the bus came to pick me up to take me to that ranch. I was like, Lord, you don't want me to do this, right? <laughs> but I went, and it changed my life. And um, I had gone to a Billy Graham crusade back in the 70s and gone forward but I wanted assurance of my salvation. So right. I, it was 1981, and I went in with Joe Beth, and we both prayed to trust Christ and get assurance. She wanted assurance yeah. as well. And I just, I remember how big of an event that was. Um, I remember a, f a feeling of fire to preach. And um, I went to University of Memphis during lunch breaks, and I'd I'd get up on the hill because I saw this guy that was doing it, and it convicted me. You know, I was walking to my karate class, and I, I stopped and had to go back and listen to him. And I said, well, this is what I need to be doing, too. So I started joining him on that hill, and um, I would read scripture out loud, and, and security guards would come out and say, y'all are too loud. You need to break it up. <laughs> um, but one day I got too scared, and I, I had to sit there and pray because I, I didn't have the I didn't have the fire and um, I remember as I was sitting there the wind blew um, and I was just praying God is this what you want me to do and when I opened my eyes it was the only verse in red that's that jumped out at me it was Acts chapter 18 and verse 9 he says be not afraid but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And I said, yes, Lord. And I got up, and that encouraged me to go to school and learn more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, that, was a, that was a big moment for me. Amen. Yeah, it was a shock when Jeff loaded up the bus to go to his first camp, Triple S Christian Ranch, and that was a long, long time ago. Brother John, I saw your hand. I think we're about to wind up here. I don't want to keep people too late. I'm not big on talking. This will be short. Um, Tuesday, we had to go down our hallway with God, and that was horrific. 
when we first went down the altar, I started praying. I looked at my hallway and I said, oh, no. Because, you know, when you walk down the hallway and you can see all the doors, I start counting and I realize there's way too many. And I started getting embarrassed and I hit it and I didn't really want to take God down my hallway because I, I just, I didn't want to see. I didn't want him to see. I knew what was there. I, I just didn't want to share. And, and at some point, I, I stopped hearing what Pastor Smith had to say while we were up there. I have no idea what he was talking about because I was sitting down here and I was arguing with God that we didn't need to go all the way down there. There's not that much, really. There's only, <laughs> and strangely, God said, you, you know, I already know. Yeah. I already know every single door that's in this hallway. This isn't for me. But it was still embarrassing, and I still want to argue. I don't want to show you. If you already know, why do we need to go? I mean, I don't, I don't need to show you all these things. And, and God just told me, you need to see what you're responsible for. And a lot of things you're not going to understand why you need to shut that door. And so as we started walking down my hallway, I continued to get embarrassed and continued to argue and beg to stop it. He said, this is all I want you to see. And he took me through things that, that happened when I was 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, somewhere in there, where I grew up kind of different than most people probably did here and uh, have experienced a lot of different things. And he said, that's all I want to do. See, there, there are things from when you were a kid. And this is what surprised me. This was before I was saved. I thought, you know, you get saved. All this stuff is taken care of. You don't, you don't really have to worry about it. And God said, it's not punishment for sin, but this is what the sin does to you. Oh. And he said, I, I just need you to see this so that you can get these things taken care of. You're not being punished. And it was so hard to listen. It's so hard to see. And I thought, why am I? I haven't thought about these things in a long time. I thought these things were over. I, I don't understand why we're looking at this. He said, because you need to shut the door. Yeah. You may not do it. it. There was a lot of different occult stuff and talking to trees and weird stuff that we're not getting to. And he said, you may not do it, but you don't understand. It's still a part of your life. And until you decide to, to, to get it out of you, it's always going to be there. And some of that stuff is a lot more serious than I understood when I was a kid. But I, I was scared and embarrassed and everything else. And God said, that's all you can handle right now. So then I got up scared and embarrassed because I'm a man. I can handle everything. So really, there was no winning with me Tuesday night. There, there really was. I tried really hard. And then I got up and I thought, God, that's all I can handle? Really? That's all you get me? I, I, you took me up to 12 years old. And he said, don't worry. The rest will come. And so I went back to my seat, and I was kind of dejected, and preacher sat there, and he said, I just want to tell you guys, just because you didn't deal with doors you think you should, don't worry. He's giving you what you can deal with now, and the rest will come later. And I said, oh, okay. It was a rough Tuesday for me. Uh, <laughs> things that you just don't think about, but God had brought them to mind. And even though I thought they were cared for because, man, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And what, what, why is this an issue? God said, no, see, there's still consequences. You're forgiven, but there's still consequences. And that was, that was very hard for me. And I was very frightened. And, and then I was very angry. And then I was very frightened again. And now I'm frightened again because I know all these things are coming. So I don't really know what to do. So I'll just, hopefully Mike knows what he's doing.
that's about all I got. <laughs> Praise you. Well, we had the foundation with Brother Smith, and, and honestly, I'd never heard, and I'm sure heard it, but it's never settled in. But what helped me so immensely that night, and maybe I'd always gotten so caught up in the closing of the door, locking it, but when he said, now give the key to Jesus and let him throw it away, my mind envisioned how far Jesus could throw a set of keys. Do you understand? I mean, that gave, me, that gave me an incredible assurance because those things are still flying. <laughs> I mean, they're, in, they're, they're not in, even in orbit. They're still moving forward. They're passing Mars right now. That is just, it, it never settled into me till that night. That area of my life, Satan has no more control. And I don't have control because I don't have the keys. I can't open it up because I don't have the keys. I can't even go find them. He threw them away. That is amazing to me. It just, why it hit me like it did, but boy, I was about to have a fit because in my mind, that's the greatest fastball you've ever seen in your life. It was gone. Well, I um, it's it's again it's later than we normally are on a on a Sunday night, but just you know what, you don't have to be in a crowd or group to testify. But I think it'd be real good if you just go to somebody and encourage them to say, you know what, God really helped me, and and understand we are blessed because. Well, we've already scheduled Brother Smith for next year, same, same basic time. And truthfully, he's booked up like crazy, but he told me, he said, I want to come to a place that wants to grow. And he said, so tell me when you're weak. I said, when you open? He said, no, you tell me when you want me. So I don't know how he did that, but he is. Now, the fact is, though, is that, uh, but we... We don't have to wait till he comes back next year. We have what he taught us. We have DVDs. We have people that have gone through it and who have helped others through it. You don't have to wait. When it hits you, when you feel like the one thing you gotta do is just have enough courage to walk up to somebody and say, can we talk? Help me get these doors shut. It, um, because that's really what we got to do. And I apologize for some of you here that weren't at the conference. You're thinking, what in the world are they talking about shutting doors? Are they about to lock us in this building? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. It's just, it's an imagery, I guess you'd call it, where we, that's the way we put that sin, that past, that thing that haunts us, that we've confessed already to God, but Satan's beating us up with it. And we take it, and we take it, and we lock it away so it can't hurt us anymore. 
And then we take that key that we just locked in and we give it to Jesus and he's going to throw it away. That can't hurt us anymore. Well, I uh, sure love y'all. And, I, and I, I really do believe, again, I, I believe God is, is allowing us to just to see not only growth numerically, but we're seeing, I believe, seeing growth in us. And that starts with me. I'm growing. And I don't want to ever stop growing. I don't know when I'm going to take the last breath, but I want to be growing that day when I do. And as I grow, I want to be able to help you all grow. And, and if you haven't figured this out, yeah, when I, I don't bring in just everybody. I'm bringing in people that, that honestly, that I believe that the Spirit of God lays on my heart that will help us grow spiritually not entertain us, not even motivate us, but help us grow. And that's what, that's, I just believe that's what we need to survive in this old world that we're in and get ready for heaven. Amen? So, thank you. Unless somebody has you saying, Brother Hooker, don't stop yet, I, I really need to give this testimony. Anybody else? Oh, we do? Okay, joy. You don't have to stand up, no. Stand up, Joy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Scared her to death. Then. Go ahead, Joy. Um, I have been dealing with fear for... Oh, and I really just helped, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, for quite a few months now, and the devil has been beating me up about it. Um, the thing I'm scared about is college. Um, I'm scared about being alone. I know everybody here, everyone's my friend, and I'm not going to know anybody where I'm going. And I fear I'm going to fail. I'm going to get out of my walk with God, get out of serving God. And that is, the devil has been beating me up about that for months. And then I think of 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Amen but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey. And I know I won't be alone. God is always there with you. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. And I know I won't get up serving God if I'm still in my Bible and praying and I have an accountability partner. And if I'm in church and reading my Bible and praying, all the time, I know I won't fail. And he's been taught, he, I had a problem with that, and then he started talking about it, and Daryl's like, don't listen to it. You're not scared of anything. Okay, that sounds wrong. <laughs> you get scared a lot, but it's not, he's not talking about you. And, and God's like, yes, he is. You have to fix this. I will always be there with you. And I will never leave you. That's it. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to say, too, he'll never leave you, and there's a whole lot of folks that are going to stay beside you, praying for you, and always be there believing in you. And, um, and whether everybody understands is, is a big part of what we're trying to do right now, just like this conference. I'm trying 
to help us to grow so that we won't fall into battle. This is, these are who we're trying to prepare. We're trying to get them ready for life. And we're trying to get them tools that honestly most of us didn't have. We didn't have. So I'm trying to get it to them. God's trying to get it to them. And so I am. Stay afraid, though, if that makes sense. I don't want you to live in fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. But stay knowing that you've got to stay right. That if you don't, that's a time that we ought to, we've got to fear God. And we've got to stay right with God. Well, I'm glad we took time for one more. Amen, that's good. All right. Um, boy. It's hard to, to end. I know it's getting later, but I, this has been a blessing to my heart. It really has. I, uh, I believe God is, is doing something. I believe he's going to continue to do it. Be encouraging to each other. Be there to help each other. Don't be afraid to find somebody to... Tell that you need help. Somebody to pray with you. Somebody to be your accountability partner. Somebody that will look at you and say, I'm here. And, and look, I, okay, we, we're, we're struggling, but we're going to get through this. Well, I do want to thank, again, those that have come that maybe didn't know. You know I knew it was kind of a unique service. I originally had a buddy of mine that was, he said he was going to come tonight. and He's uh, an attorney in Memphis. And. And, uh, and I thought, well, it's going to be a unique night for him to come visit with a testimony night. But he, he got sick this afternoon, or, or I think he's been battling sickness and just felt like he wasn't going to be able to do it. But, but uh, I, I'm thrilled, and I thank you, those, those of you who have come, and I hope it's made a little bit of sense to you, our testimonies and our time. But God is really working in our lives. And, you know, again, I don't know you that have visited or even us you know I, I was in church for five years and still struggling with my assurance of salvation because at when I got saved at Memphis State I never never had anybody to give me assurance I never saw one assurance verse I never I never understood that so that, that if you're here and you don't know for sure you're saved tonight that's the starting place you're not going to win the spiritual battle until you get that settled if you don't have assurance of your salvation, uh, I'm going to just warn you, the devil's going to whip the fire out of you. He's going to beat you up. Because those doubts, those haunting doubts will just tear you up. So if it's some of our people, if you're here visiting, it, whoever you are, that's, the, that's step number one. You've got to get that settled in your heart and mind. And then number two is, again, if, if you know, you, you maybe feel like, you know, even as they gave testimonies, I feel like I've got a door to close tonight. I got a door that I just didn't close. I got to close it tonight. And I'm going to close that door and I'm going to put that thing away. I'm confessing it to God. I'm putting it away and I'm going to lock that door and I'm going to give that key to Jesus. I'm going to throw it away. It may be that, that you just honestly, you may look at 
at this and and say that uh, you know again you're visiting tonight you may may want to come and say you want to join us that's great but mostly tonight what we want to do is let's just let God continue to do what he's going to do I am um, I'd asked him to do it and that just didn't work this way but I'm gonna uh, ask Mike if you'd lead us in a chorus right after we have that chorus and I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have her continue to play that chorus and then we're going to go into our invitation but let's all stand and I, I would just like to sing a sweet chorus together isn't he wonderful dear? let's sing isn't he wonderful <laughs> my Lord, wonderful. Eyes have seen, ears have heard, it's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus my Lord, wonderful? Again, come on. Isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord, wonderful? Eyes have seen, ears have heard, it's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Sing it again. Isn't He wonderful? Wonderful. Isn't He wonderful? wonderful. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Oh, eyes have seen, ears have heard. It's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Father, I pray.